Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message, or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community, and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you. Good morning, Bethel family. Could we greet our streaming family this morning in Jesus' name? We've got a full house. Watch out. Lock the door. Amen. We're going to take the offering first. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> Welcome to our streaming family. Welcome today in Jesus' name. We're in a series called On the Threshold, and it's my greatest intention that God's presence would fill this house today and nourish you. And uh, beloved, he knows everything about you. He's so desperately in love with you. He, he never takes his eyes away from you. He never blinks. He doesn't just love you. He's in love with you. And if you knew that, if we knew that, it would shake everything we are to the core. You know, I always tell people God didn't marry you to work for him. Just a little heads up. If you ever bear any fruit, it's fruit due to your intimacy and relationship. You can't do anything to earn his love. You can't do anything to keep it or increase it. He is that crazy about you. If he had a fridge, your picture would be on it. There's something beautiful, but I, I just need to share my heart this morning that he's not only about to open a door for you, but he's going to carry you over the threshold. Did you know we all need hope? We all need a fresh vision. As gifted as we are in the niche we're in right now, God is always doing new things. He is always surprising his people with joy. Jesus said the kingdom is like a man who is just plowing away at his normal nine to five, and in a moment he snags something. He doesn't know what it is. He digs it up. It's $5 billion in treasure that he just discovered. Jesus never said the kingdom of God is like a boring church service. Most people don't go to church because they've already been bore anymore and you strike oil. But Jesus said the kingdom is like a perpetual feast. It's like a wedding banquet. It, there's no negative imagery at all. Hey, there's plenty of hard times in life, but we can endure anything if we know the king and if we're apart, if we're windows to eternity, if we are, are connected to him. Everything's going to be wonderful. It's going to work out fine. The kingdom is always portrayed as a blessing, as something refreshing. As, and I hope you are refreshing to people when you name his name. I hope you're a window to eternity, a jar enough that people, when they're around you, they're built up. They're not torn down. They're added to. They're not subtracted from. That you, you become a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. That is not just positive thinking. That is the kingdom of God. We're the door ajar. We may be the only Jesus anyone's ever going to see. Oh, God, help as I scan the room. <laughs> he quit to preach and go on to meddling. Let me start because you know I'm never going to get anywhere. This morning I'm going to talk about divine couplings on the threshold. Divine couplings. Did you know we've come as far as we can 
by ourselves. In, in, in Mark chapter 3, the Lord Jesus Christ is in the synagogue, and there's a man with a withered hand. And Jesus says to him on the Sabbath, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it forth, and it became whole as the other. Do you know, beloved, something happened in that man's life. We don't know what it is, but something happened to him that wounded him. You know, you can do life with one hand, but it's better to have two. Did you know parts of us have been wounded in the past, and we've been doing pretty good with one hand? But did you know the Lord Jesus Christ wants us to not move any further ahead until both hands are restored? The Lord, I believe with all my heart, is adding to us in a way. Now, he's doing many things. He's multiplying and he's dividing. He's adding and he's subtracting in this season. He's closing doors no one can open, and he's opening doors no one can close. What does that all mean? We are in a time of divine couplings. We're in a time of marriage and divorce. Did you know we always think of marriage and divorce in terms of couples? But did you know God is constantly divorcing us from things that would harm us? I don't know about your life. He's always been trying to subtract from Craig, Craig's worst character traits. Well, I'm alone, I see. I'm going to, the Lord, I'll find a crowd. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, it's a rough room. <laughs> We're going into Rip Taylor. <laughs> I'll preach. There's, he's always subtracting from me things that would harm me. He's always dividing from me things that would, that would, that would hinder his work in and through me. He's always divorcing me and declaring a writ of divorce. In Hebrew, it's a get. He's divorcing people, places, and things from our lives that are no longer helpful. Have you noticed him subtracting anything from your life? Have you, you don't need to identify yourself. Just, it's a rhetorical. Has he been pruning out people, places, and things? Well, if he hasn't, good news. It's just on the threshold. It's like the guy said, you're just, going into a, uh, you're just going into a cave, you're in the middle of a cave, or you're just coming out. It's pretty safe prophecy. But I, I want to encourage you, beloved, he is pruning in our lives because he's the one who winnows the wheat from the chaff, and he is the one who is constantly so desperately in love with us. He wants us to flourish, but sometimes, beloved, things have happened, and we've lost a hand in the battle that he is trying to restore right now. So he's adding, he's bringing, he's marrying us to new ventures, to new anointings, to new opportunities, but he is divorcing also from us. Things that are harmful, deadly. Oh, that's good. Preach it. I'll bring my own amens next week. I'll bring a bag of them. I, my daughter amens me more than this. Now, do you want me to read you an interesting text that I know you were reading in your devotions this morning? Deuteronomy 22.10. Do not plow with an ox and a donkey yoked together. May God bless the reading of his word. What? We're going to talk about. 
equal yoking today in our lives. Now, I know when you hear equally yoked, you just think, you know, don't marry a non-Christian. That's a plus. Go with that. If that's all you get, bless you. But did you, did you know that God is yoking us together? He's coupling us together with new friendships, new ministry anointings that we have never had thus far in your life. As far as you've come one-armed, you're going to go further with two arms. As much as you've seen with regard to fruit, God's going to bring more fruit, but he's going to do it by bringing new people into your life. You know, when God wants to move in your life, he brings a person. When the devil wants to move in your life, he brings a person. He's never had an original thought in his life. Don't worry about it. The devil just copies. He's a copycat. But he does. He uses the same strategy. See, that the yoke, now we're, we're, we're from the city. We don't really understand what yokes are. By not yoking an ox and an ass together, what, what is God doing? Why, why is it the Old Testament full of all this weird stuff? Makes eminent sense. By not yoking different kinds of animals together, God balanced the order of nature. When you have an ox, which has a completely different temperament from an ass. Now, I don't, I'm not going to say who the ox or ass is today. Amen. That's up to the Holy Ghost. He brings the application. I just write <laughs> divine the word. All right. <laughs> Ox and asses have different temperaments. They have their different sizes. They have different appetites. Have you noticed an ox was a clean animal and they chew the cud and walk? A donkey can't chew the cud and walk, and the donkey's bloody irritated by an ox that chews the cud all the time and walks. They have different appetites. They're different sizes. They have different leg length. So there's nothing wrong with two asses together, two oxen together, two clean animals together, but never. If, I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with them individually. Like you can have two asses, two oxes, but when, there's something wrong when you put them together. Have you ever been in an unequally yoked business situation? And you don't want to say who the ox or the ass is, but you know when you see a little donkey with little legs and a big old massive clean ox, they're different heights, they're different weights, they have different appetites. Donkeys eat noxious, nasty, poisonous, dry stuff. And oxen can't handle the feeded breath of the donkey, so they ignore the donkey and they move away from the donkey because their diets are different, and then the oxen winds up pulling with just one side. So do you see, if, if you unequally yoke people, places, things, business opportunities, you're never going to plow a straight furrow. <laughs> we're, all, we're not talking about you, but if the shoe fits. Back in the day, the goal was to fulfill a purpose, to plow a straight furrow. You cannot plow an even straight furrow if you have an ox and an ass yoked together. No, not another wrong with two oxes or two asses, but an ox or an ass, God said no. His mercy even extended to the little donkey. He said, you know what? If you hook a donkey up to that ox and that overpowering beast is going to manipulate the donkey, lift him off the ground and cause him to bear the majority of the load. So God's mercy even extends to poor donkeys. Someone say, amen. That's why it was in your devotional box this morning, wasn't it? Yeah, you knew it was good. I can take anything anywhere I want. There it is. The Lord wanting us to plow straight lines. 
He wants us to fulfill our destiny and to do it. Balance is essential. So if the Lord is removing someone from you right now, don't try to keep people that God's moving. Remember the book of Ruth? There's Orpah and Ruth and Naomi, and they're all coming back, and their husbands are dead, and, and they've lost everything. And, and Ruth and Naomi, they get to Bethlehem, and then Orpah, Ruth's uh, companion, Orpah says, hey, you guys, you know what? This has been real, but you all go on to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back because my family lives in Moab. So bye-bye. Did you know if or- Orpah was able to leave, if Orpah leaves, let her go. If God, if God is subtracting oxen or asses from your life, let them go. If they can go, let them go. Don't use your talents, gifts, and abilities. Do you know what I did years ago in the church? Oh, I was so ignorant. I was ignorance on stilts. God was pruning people out, and I would use all my talents, gifts, and abilities to get them to come back in because I'm nicer than Jesus. I am much nicer than he is. I'm going to have a shirt made. And you all have to wear, well, that's, that again, I'll leave it to your wisdom. I would try to bring the ox and the ass together. I'd try to duct tape them together. And God was always saying, Craig, you're, you're hurting the body. You're hurting the sheep by allowing wolves to come in in sheep's clothing. But I was so nice. Have you ever had no boundaries in life? And the Lord says, you need to straighten up your boundaries. It's time for diamond boundaries now. We need bonding and boundaries, love and limits, beloved. You never see unconventional love alone. You see love and limits together. You see bonding and boundaries together. We need wisdom. And part of the wisdom is we need to see that God is wanting divine coupling on the threshold. As we move forward, he wants two oxen together he, or two asses together, whatever the combination, but not, they can't be together in a mismatched, imbalanced way. So again, I don't know who the Lord is subtracting from you, but we all just say amen to it. Amen. Come on now. Oh, Lord Jesus. Listen to this. A yoke is a wooded frame or bar with loops at either end fitted around the neck of two animals which tied them together and forced them to function as one. But, oh, if you get hooked up in a yoke with the wrong whoever and whatever, it's miserable. Yokes are very difficult to break once you get in them. Virtually impossible to break. And some of you knew right away <laughs> as soon as that thing was strapped on. Oh God. <laughs> Didn't take you 10 years. Now we're not just now we're not talking about marriages here. We're talking about an all-inclusive set of categories, okay? But it is very wise to next to accepting Jesus who you hook up to be the rest of your life with, it's very important that you pray in advance. Think a little bit. Eat the hay. Spit out the sticks. Count to ten. Take a cold shower. <laughs> because once you're yoked in something, it's very difficult to get out of it. Have you ever sworn to your own hurt in a business situation and you just got, you nailed yourself? The devil didn't do it to you. God didn't do it to you. You hooked yourself up. Come on, let's have a parade, and you'll be there, and we'll do a show in the basement. And you, and you yoke yourself with people, places, and things that you find out real quick are jackasses. And you can't plow, and you can't plow a straight furrow, and everything's imbalanced. And then we want to blame somebody, right? The devil or blame God. How about blaming the Holy One himself? 
if you were so loving, why did you allow? Why did I allow you to make stupid ass decisions <laughs> and have something called free will? <laughs> Beloved, free will is a good thing. Someone asked me recently. They said, "If God's all powerful and He exists, and where'd evil come from?" You can't get bitter from a sweet fountain. And what is that? I said, "Well, God made everything. God made was good, and one of those good things God made is called freedom." And it was a misuse of that good thing called freedom that threw a monkey wrench into the system. But it wasn't a bad thing to create the possibility for freedom because freedom is good. Freedom is the choice of making the greater good, right? And where there's freedom, you can, you can, you can climb to the summit of Everest, but you can also fall into the ditch and die, right? God made a Everything he made is good. One of the good things he made is freedom. It was a misuse of freedom that brought about the monkey wrench into the system. So didn't that just make the whole day worthwhile? It certainly did for me. Thank you. Divine couplings, oh, beloved. Now, when I talk about couplings, again, we're immediately going to think of Adam and Eve, which there's nothing wrong with that. But what about Jonathan and David? What about 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1? It says, as soon as David had finished speaking, Jonathan's soul was knit to that of David. Did you know David was a great king? He was a, he was a great shepherd. He was a great boy out with the sheep, but he had no finesse in the palace. David needed somebody that could give him enough finesse to be able to be a king, and guess who? that somebody was Jonathan the son of Saul the actual regent who was going to be next king on the throne Jonathan was sent into David's life to yoke up with him and they were equally yoked because David needed to learn how to eat at the White House put your shoes on don't eat with your hands no you don't you, you know we all need to be coupled with and yoked to people now, that may be, in your case, a spouse, or it may be just a friend like Jonathan that you need to be yoked with in your life who can help you with what you need. Do you know we're not going to go any further with what we've got unless we're yoked and divinely coupled as we move ahead? Someone say amen. It's deep. It's, it's a, his sermon is such a deep well, he fell in and he can't get out. That's true. My daughter, Brooke, and I have been watching Jane Eyre all week. In 1847, Charlotte Bronte wrote a book under her pen name, Curran Bell. It's called Jane Eyre. I don't know if you've ever seen a version of it or you've heard a version of it. Long story short, Jane is raised with nothing. She's abused as a child by religious folk, of course people with a religious spirit, and she just lives a humble life, godly life, she's a pure life, and she meets a man who throughout the book and the movie is a rude, arrogant cuss named is Mr. Rochester. But Mr. Rochester, this rich, wealthy, powerful man, there's a fire at his estate, and he saves the servants, but in the process, he goes blind, he loses a hand, and he is just a stump of who he used to be. But Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester are in love. A divine coupling, if there ever was. And sometimes I like to read a little bit. It brings a few tears to my eyes. What does a divine coupling look like? What's it supposed to smell like? What's it supposed to taste like? Jane and Mr. Rochester are finally together. 
And here he is, this one's proud man. He's blind. He has to be led by the hand. He's a worm-eating old ruin as far as he's concerned. And Jayden says, It is time someone undertook to humanize you, said I, parting his thick and long uncut locks. For I see you're being metamorphosed into a lion or something of that sort. You have a faux air of Nebuchadnezzar in the fields about you. That is certain. Your hair reminds me of eagle's feathers. Whether your nails are grown like bird's claws or not, I've not yet noticed. On this arm, I have neither hand nor nails, he said, drawing the mutilated limb from his breast and showing it to me. It is a mere stump, a ghastly sight, don't you think so, Jane? Oh, it is a pity to see it, and I see your eyes and the scar of the fire on your forehead, and the worst of it is, one is in danger of loving you too well for all this and making too much of you. My spirits were excited, and with pleasure and ease, I talked to him during supper and for a long time after. There were no harassing restraint, no repression of glee or vivacity with him, for with him I was at perfect ease because I knew I suited him. All I said or did seemed either to console or revive him. Delightful consciousness. It brought to life and light my whole nature. In his presence I thoroughly lived, and he lived in mine. I'm no better than an old lightning-struck chestnut tree in Tom Field Orchard, he remarked. And what right would that ruin have to bid a budding woodbine cover its decay with freshness? You are no ruin, sir. No lightning-struck tree. You are green and vigorous. Plants will grow about your roots, whether you ask them to or not, because they take delight in your bountiful shadow. And as they grow, they will lean towards you and wind around you, because your strength offers them such a safe prop. Jane, will you marry me? Yes, sir. A poor blind man whom you will have to lead about by the hand? Yes, sir. A crippled man 20 years older than you whom you will have to wait on? Yes, sir. Truly, Jane? Most truly, sir. Oh, my darling, God bless you and reward you. Mr. Rochester, if ever I did a good deed in my life, if ever I thought a good thought, if ever I prayed a sincere and blameless prayer, if ever I wished a righteous wish, I am rewarded now to be your wife is for me to be as happy as I can be on earth. Mm. A divine coupling. Isn't it beautiful? That's how God sees you. You delight him. Your very presence refreshes him. I know it's too good to be true. But wouldn't it be beautiful if another person could love you like he does? God can do it. He can refresh what's dying. He can bring blessing and coupling and yoking to you that will fulfill the deepest destiny he has planned for you. It's just ahead. Hold on. With all you've known and all you have, he can do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all you can ask or think. Isn't that good news? Amen. Maybe he didn't marry you to work for him. Maybe he's not finished with you yet. 
maybe he can still surprise you. Remember, he said it's like a pearl merchant that has collected pearls his whole life, the largest pearl collector in the world. And Jesus said, I will allow him to find a pearl so magnificent that he will sell everything in his collection to have that one pearl. He can still make a pro blush. Remember Betty Davis' eyes? She can make a pro blush. Well, you know what? Jesus can make a pro blush. You can know his presence. You can have served him your whole life. You can have tasted his goodness. And he will still transcend everything you could hope for. He's not finished with you. Amen. Don't you think, well, look at my age. Whoa, 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 whoa. Moses was 80 when he, that burning bush appeared to him. Jacob was 65 when he met Rachel. Says he removed the top of the well, kissed her, and wept. 65 years old. Caleb was 85 when he's on the threshold here. <sighs> Mr. Rochester said, You delight in sacrifice. Sacrifice. What do I sacrifice? Famine for food, expectation for content, to be privileged to put my arms around what I value, to press my lips to what I love, to repose on what I trust. Is that to make a sacrifice? If so, this, then I certainly delight in sacrifice. And to bear with my infirmities, Jane, to, to overlook my deficiencies, which are none, sir, to me. I love you better now when I can really be useful to you than I did in your state of proud independence when you disdained every part but that of the giver and protector. Hitherto I have hated to be helped, to be led henceforth. I did not like to put my hand into the hirelings, but it is pleasant to feel it circled by Jane's little fingers. But Jane's soft ministry will be perpetual joy. I have now been married 10 years. I know what it is to live entirely for and with what I love best on earth. I hold myself supremely blessed, blessed beyond what language can express because I am my husband's life as fully as he is mine. No woman was ever nearer to her mate than I am. Ever more absolutely bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, I know no weariness of my Edward society. He knows none of mine any more than we each do of the pulsation of the heart that beats in our separate bosoms. Consequently, we are ever together. To be together for us is to be at once as free, as in solitude, as gay, as in company. We talk, I believe, all day long. We talk to each other. It is more animated than audible thinking. All my confidence is bestowed on him. All his confidence is devoted to me. We are precisely suited in character. Perfect concord is the result. Someone say, divine coupling. Well, Greg, that's a woman or a man. Or your best friend that you've never met yet. Or the best ministry anointing opportunity you've ever seen. Or maybe you had to live all these years to get to this point where you have character that can balance out the fruit of the gift he wants to give you. Never let your gifts take you where your character can't keep you. Ever had that happen? The rest of your life, 
is the best of your life. Divine coupling on the threshold. I just want to mention, in conclusion, <laughs> the new people, God bless you, that means absolutely nothing. I just wanted to just, again, give you a, just a whiff of what God considers divine coupling. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he, as he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up the f- flesh instead thereof. And the rib with which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto him. And Adam said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Mm. Mm. Adam named all the animals. He had the ability to identify the nature and appropriately label everything that was made of the dust of the earth. But did you know, with all his naming and all his talent and all that he saw and correctly labeled, his own loneliness was highlighted and his own incompleteness was put front and center. Have you ever been able to name problems for other people in your misery? Has God ever used you to complete somebody else, but you go home alone and you go home magnified in your incompleteness? That's what God was doing with Adam. Did you know sometimes God will show you where you're incomplete and lonely first so he can build and uniquely fashion a new yoke fellow for you that's coming up. It was a way of negation. Adam is naming the animals going, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, that's not for me, that's not for me. Isn't that what rhinoceros are them? Oh, and they're doing it, and the baby, oh, and the lion, the lion is sucking, bull and a cow. But everything is not, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it. Some of us have spent our ministries naming everything for everyone else, but it's only highlighted our loneliness and our incompleteness. So God comes, in comes the word Tardema. Gee, I wonder if you've all recognized that. I wrote a book called Tardema. The deep sleep that awakens your dreams has flown off the shelf for 20 years. <laughs> Hit the youth in the head, knocked an entire generation out. But it's deep. It's rich. We're out, aren't we, Mike? We're out of Tardema copies. <laughs> you know why? Because they were all stacked in my garage and got a weird black mold. And I... <laughs> And I got invited. One time I invited a preacher in L.A. and I took a box of with my dippy little album that I made in 99 and the Tardame and there was a black mold mid-service. People started going out. I mean, I was going to give them away, but it was, anyway, you can't write this. You can't invent this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've been staying away in droves. Adam was unable to do anything but be lonely and utterly incomplete in his own strength so it says that God put him to sleep he brought a tardema it means a deep sleep he anesthetized him he put him out why because he had to do surgery and when he did surgery he took from not the dust of the earth like all the other creatures that didn't meet Adam didn't know what he needed it's called the tardema of unknowing we don't even know what we're asking for 
You know, people say, okay, remember God gave Solomon a blank check? Anything you want, here, fill it out. We wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. I'm sorry, but you're, I can tell by a look. Oh, if God just gave me a blank. If God gave you a blank check, there'd be crickets in the background. Uh, um, uh, well, um, what do you want me to have, God? I didn't ask what I want you to have. What would you like? One of Michael's nurses did that, Shannon, all the time. Honey, what word would you like to eat uh, lunch? I don't care wherever you want to eat lunch. I didn't ask you that. Where do you want to eat lunch? You want to eat the roadkill right there on the side of the freeway, or do you want lunch? Well, I don't care wherever you want to go. Let me go there, and she'd go, well, what do you want? I'd say, what do you want to eat? And she'd ask the waitress, I don't know. What do you think I should have? I said, for God's sake, Shannon. But we do that all the time, don't we? We wouldn't know what to ask for, nor did Adam. He just knew what it wasn't. It's not him. It's not her. It's not, you've done that in your dating life. It's not her. Not her. Not her. Not her. Not her. You don't know what. It's like a teenager. I'm not my mom. I'm not my dad. You don't know who you are, but you know what you're not. So God has to intervene with Adam and go, honey, I got to put you to sleep because you're going to screw everything up if you stay awake another minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thus says the Thor worshiper. <laughs> We're honest in this pulpit is what we are. It was Christ that died for your sins, I believe, not Chris Hemsworth. But that's another take. Don't, don't go any further than that. <clears throat> he puts a deep sleep on Adam. He has to be put out. And some of us have to be put out, literally, an intervention of God. Because we don't know what we need. And up till now, if I asked you, what do you want? You wouldn't know what to put on the blank check. Here's the good news. God put him out, and he took a portion of him. And then when Adam wakes up, he walks up to Adam. That th He's never seen such a thing. The Hebrew word means this, this. He goes ballistic. He goes, this, this, this is what I mean. <laughs> he goes nuts. You know, not the stated to, and, and Adam said, this is bone by bone. No, he didn't. He goes, stop. Ah, look at it. Ah. <laughs> he recognized. Oh, my God. But God built her. The Hebrew word bana means he built her. He made her. So when you say a woman is built, that's biblical. That's in the book. She, they didn't get her off the rack. God made her uniquely to be a yoke fellow, equally yoked to Adam, and he lost his mind because all he'd been searching for his whole life and even intending to find by naming everything for everyone else, all that would highlight his incompleteness and his loneliness. Beloved, God is building for you the yoke fellow for this next season so that you become divinely coupled on the threshing floor. You say, Craig, I've been married my whole life. It doesn't have to talk about marriage. But if you're single, it doesn't stink. Is it possible that you're yearning for something and you haven't known what it is? You still don't know as a Christian. You know the Bible. You know everything. But you just, you're incomplete. You're lonely. Christ is about to divinely couple you. It could be with a new anointing. It could be with a new ministry opportunity. It could be for a new business situation. It could be a new relationship. It could be a new friendship. Maybe you need a new best friend. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. <laughs> Amen. Someone said, well, he's my best friend. I said, maybe it's time you get a new best friend, sweetheart. 
Jack the Ripper, the devil, Dexter, you know, he's been my best friend ever since I was little. Well, there's no mystery to your history. I'm sorry, there isn't. Those of you that know, I always say, are you looking through your glasses or at your glasses? You're looking through your glasses. I'm looking at your glasses so I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. You're looking through your life. I'm looking at your life. I can see you in a way you cannot see yourself. That's why we need one another in the body of Christ. I need your eyes because I don't see me like you do. So you can see the back of my neck. I can't see the back of my neck. And I'd rather not have Dexter pointing out the back of my neck. I think it's right back. <laughs> yeah, that was sudden. Oh. Uh, I thought I was going to get somewhere today. <laughs> Remember, we've been talking about I-thou versus I-it relationships. There are only two kinds of love. There are I-it, subject-object relationships, where you are using something, a hammer, a woman. Using someone or something as a means to an end. That's called I-itting someone. I-thou, though. That's the face-to-face, subject-to-subject union God wants with us and you crave to have with other living human beings. You've craved presence all of your life since you came out of the womb. You want face-to-face communion. And the I-thou yoking God's about to do, oh, it's going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth the wait, beloved. I want to pray for you, precious one. You may not even know what you're hungry for. You may not even know what you're thirsty for. We'll pick up with this next week. Because I've got such a biblical example of divine coupling with our friend Othniel and Axa. That's next week. I want to bless you. Maybe right where we are right now, you could just bow your head and close your eyes. Just nobody's business but God. Oh, precious one, he left you. With an everlasting love, he left you. He wants more for you than you want for you yourself. He hasn't blessed you just so that you will be lonelier and more incomplete. He's allowing you to feel and see that you're thirsty and you're hungry and you don't know what it's for. He knows. He's about to lead you into it. Father, we pray right now for all of your precious daughters under the sound of my voice, oh God. Maybe, God, they've been unequally yoked to people, places, and things that have hair-lipped their lives, God, have absolutely seemed to hold them at a standstill, a yoke they cannot wiggle out of. Oh, God, I pray for your daughters, Lord, that you would bring the holy anointing oil that breaks the yoke. The only thing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit that will break the yoke. Oh, God, I pray that you would be the God who divorces us from people, places, and things that are no longer necessary, that are no longer a contributing factor to our lives. You are the one who prunes Jesus. Prune your garden. Prune all the weeds out, God, and leave the roses. Lord, leave the healthy things for us to water. I pray for your precious daughters, Lord, that they would be released from the yokes and any vestige of the yokes they may have yoked themselves to, Lord. Past relationships, past hurts that still bear 
a fragrance or a stench or a wound or a scar. Father, you're the one that can heal and scars disappear, Lord. You can turn scars to stars. I pray your daughters would know the freedom of drinking from the cup of liberty. And Lord, that you would re-yoke their lives, even at this age, at this time, with yoke fellows that are blessed, couplings on the threshing floor that are holy, God, that will bring the delight that Jane and Mr. Rochester tasted together. We pray, Lord, for all your sons now, Lord, your precious sons of Adam. Bless your daughters of Eve, Lord, but for your sons of Adam right now. I pray for a new touch of the Holy Spirit that would break up the fountains of the great deep. All in their hearts, Lord, tears even would come. Tears that they have not seen or maybe they're afraid of. Oh, beloved brothers in Christ, don't worry. If you ever start crying, it's not true. You won't stop. God will measure your tears. He will allow you to grieve. He will allow you to cry, and it will not take you over. He is a gracious God. He is patient, but he will bring you little bits of tear release. Tears of the language God understands. If they come to you, let them flow. Let them flow, beloved. Lord, yoke my brothers with joy. They've never known freedom they've never, ever, ever felt before, and new friends that will raise them to new heights. Bless the finances of your children, Lord God. Bless the emotional and relational life of your babies, oh God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen. David, come lead us in the table of the Lord. Peace to you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Pastor Greg talked about fresh bread today. Well, we heard that through the word that God gave him to preach to us today. Awesome. I love it. This is also fresh bread. Pastor Craig said that this bread is nourishment, and boy, is this nourishment. I'm feeling a little weary today. The band I play in, we played last night. We played the night before. But Jesus said this, he is the bread of life. If you need new life today, he allowed his body to be broken. So let's break it and not drop it. And let's partake. Thank you, Jesus. May his healing flow from your head to your toes. May every cell of your body be infused with the life that Jesus sacrificed for you. Now let's take the cup. Because scripture says life is in the blood. So Jesus sacrificed his blood. Let it be shed so that you have new life. And it's not just life here in abundance, 
but it's eternal life that you can never lose because of his sacrifice. Let's partake. Be blessed today in Jesus' name. Those of you watching, if you'd like to contribute, there is a place online that you can make an offering. We encourage you to do that. If you feel fed, please feed us. If uh, you're here today, we have a receptacle in the corner if you want to give. If you're new to the ministry, do not feel obligated at all. Just receive. We want you to receive today. Receive all that God has provided through his son. And have a great week in Jesus' name. We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.